Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we speak to someone who is doing just that. His name is Ian Shearer, and he is on a pathway to a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And we talked to him about his journey to date and how he, where he, when he first got into property investing, how that worked out, how he moved overseas and has now moved back to Australia, got back into property investing, and how, in fact, entering into starting his portfolio again using a lower priced property has actually been the key to getting to the key catalyst event that is actually helping him to start to scale his property portfolio out and find success as well. So we talk a lot about gratitude and mindset and loads of really great insights into what is shaping Ian's decision-making process today. So if you're interested in getting in, involved in property investing. If you're thinking, "Hey, I don't have a huge amount of savings. Um, I'd really, you know, what's the, you know, how do I, how do I get started?" Then this is going to be a really great episode for you because we talk about a lot of that kind of stuff in here. So, without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it, and I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me on today's show is Ian Shearer, who is a Dashdot client and a successful investor. Ian, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, Goose? Mate, I'm very well, thanks. Really uh, looking forward to our conversation uh, today. And I want to dig into, there's a lot of stuff I actually want to ask you about. But for the benefit of the, of the listener, why don't you give us a bit of a backstory? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where do you live, what do you do? So I live in Melbourne, uh, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Work in the finance industry, but sort of entry-level work, and uh, being at uh, 46, um, had lived overseas for quite a while, and gone from uh, gone from one job to another, so to speak, uh, since coming back. And uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, with limited income and that sort of stuff, mm. um, really kind of uh, worried about future I could provide for myself and and my kids and so on um, in form of security. But um, enjoy what I do um, and. Yeah, just got a family of uh, wife and two kids. Uh, kids are in senior high school, so cool. that part of my life. And so, did you say you were living overseas for a while? Yeah, lived in Indonesia for eleven years. Yeah. Um, what were you doing there? <laughs> range of things. I mean, what took me there was uh, uh, I, my now wife. Uh, we were together at university at RMIT. Um, yeah, she'd finished her studies, and we developed a pretty strong relationship. And I didn't really like the idea of a long-distance relationship. So uh, we got married and uh, figured I've taken her away, or at least Australian studies have taken her away from her family for a number of years. Maybe I should uh, go overseas for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I kind of forgot to come home for 11 years. <laughs> Fair enough. Whereabouts in Indonesia was it? So it was mostly Jakarta. Um, yeah. uh, that's where I had my business. But um, after a few years, um, my wife decided to move to a regional city called Samarang, which is essentially for Australians to comprehend. It's halfway between Jakarta and Bali. So yeah, then you fly it. over. Yeah. So there yeah, you yeah. go. So still on Java? Yep, still on Java. Yeah. Um, pretty big island. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah 80 no, million people. Just on Java? Just in Java. Something wow. the size of, just something the size of Victoria has about 80 million people. Unreal, yeah. unreal. And you said you had a business over there. What was the business doing? So, uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, – <laughs> I started a chain of hair removal salons. Wow, um, that's interesting. So, so essentially, it's something that's quite common now, being IPL, um, so kind of like laser. Um, yeah, uh, I 
was someone who needed the treatment myself, believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, I saw how expensive it was to get the treatment done in Australia. So I thought, why not buy a machine and uh, see what happens there? So was it, hang on a second, was it hair removal or hair replacement? Hair removal. Hair I removal. need hair replacement too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's that's really that is really fascinating. That's okay. Yeah. And so, and so after eleven years there, after building a chain of uh, hair removal clinics, all of that kind of stuff, mm. what what prompted you to move back to Australia? And what, did you sell the business? What what is, what was all that yeah. like? Well, um, so about uh, a year in, I took on a partner uh, to yeah. help with the expansion. Um, so essentially, um, a local uh, Indonesian who um, I've met through business forums and so on. Um, yeah, we ended up expanding to about six um, six clinics across Indonesia. Um, wow. Yeah, and it was it just exploded and it sort of changed the market in Indonesia. The thing is, though, there are a couple of things. So obviously, my kids were getting older, um, and uh, it was getting to the point where they were um, getting towards the end of elementary school. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, my wife's uh, parents, uh, I guess, had passed away at that point. Uh, and on top of that, the business was probably so big that um, it would attract attention that um, uh, I wasn't prepared for and wasn't Got qualified it. for. Um, it was growing quite a lot and it was quite popular. So uh, essentially, I just chose to um, take the golden parachute and uh, told my partner, I said, look, um, yep, I want to make a move. Um, I'll give it all to you. And that was it. So Awesome. Sweet. Perfect storm. Perfect storm that came at those at those final years and took us back to Australia. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And when you came back to Australia, was that was that kind of was it like hard or easy to reintegrate? Eleven years out of the country is a decent amount of time. Definitely. You kind of always felt for the first couple of years. And it was interesting because even when I moved to Australia, you always felt like there was one foot in the country room previously. So yeah. um I f- I thinking that I'd grown up in Australia and Australia is my home and so on and, and my connections. Coming back to Australia, you had that same feeling. You sort of felt like I've still got one foot in Indonesia. Um, I think the important factor there um, to settle uh, is just a, uh, sort of laying down your roots. So getting kids involved in community sport and sort of getting yourself involved in the community and so on, and that that helps with settling. Um, you don't yeah. pine for, for, what, for what you've left. Um, you know, but in regards to jobs and so on, look, I mean, I, I came back when I was about 37, I think, or, mm-hmm. or something, or maybe 30, uh, 38. Um, yeah. And with the, uh, the limited qualifications and being a sole business, uh, owner, um, it's a hard sell to sort of, um, mm-hmm. move, I guess, horizontally into a, a job that you had previously. So, yeah. yeah interesting. Interesting. Right. So. How long after you got back? When did when did you first start getting interested in property investing? So I'm interested, like having been out of the country for 11 years, you come back in your late 30s, right? Yeah. Had you been investing prior to moving over there? Did you yeah. talk to me? Talk to me a little bit about that. I think um, it was weird. I think even from like um, high school, um, mm. well, the late years of high school. Uh, so yeah, my mum, uh, um, my parents divorced, and um, my mum ended up purchasing a, uh, purchasing a property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw, because it was just mum and me, I kind of got uh, an exposure to the mechanisms of property ownership and that was involved and I guess what money means in, in that sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was just sort of a seed that was planted and, and kind of fermented over the years. And after um, after graduating, yeah, I, I sort of started to take an interest in it. Didn't have the 
financial uh, ability to purchase something so soon after after high school. Uh, but after working full time for about um, uh, five or six years, um, yeah, um, I ended up buying an apartment um, in Glen Iris for the beautiful price of about a hundred thousand um, dollars. Now this is a one bedroom apartment, and uh, yeah, it was a door opera, um, and it was all very cosmetic. Um, and we, my uh, now wife, uh, we lived in that for about a year before moving overseas, um, and that was essentially my first foray into property investing um but yeah but we yeah. also own a farm so uh but that's sort of a, 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 a inherited a farm rather yeah. than investing where's in the farm? farm uh hamilton or well, it's a it's biaduct just outside of hamilton which is western victoria yeah so, nice yeah, i know hamilton yeah. it's it nice how big's the farm uh <laughs> it was 650 acres now it's 100 acres right so, uh, a bit more of a hobby farm now <laughs> <laughs> nice. And do you spend? You live in. You're currently living in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So do you spend much time out on the on the farm? Yeah. So I'm actually heading off uh, tomorrow, uh, believe it or not. So essentially, uh, around about once a month. So just there to maintain it. We're, we're you know, uh, we've uh, got some hay uh, and other stuff that we're planting, growing, sell to the neighbours. Yeah. My mum is living there. So when yeah, COVID cool. hit, she decided to move out there. So that's just one way of uh, catching up with her. Um, but also, even if she wasn't there, would still be heading out every couple of months to to look after the place. Cool, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Um, so tell me then, how'd that one bedroom apartment work out for you? Did you hold on to it when you when you went over to Indonesia? Uh, yes and no. So essentially, we, I held on to it for about eighteen months after moving to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you know, communication um, uh, lines of finance and so on were, were quite. This is 2004, 2005. Mm. So we didn't have stuff like instant messaging. You know, we were still operating off email. Um, international calls were still kind of, you know, $5 a minute and that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, and making any sort of um, cross-border transactions, you had to go into a bank and, and it was all these forms being filled out and so on. So unfortunately, I guess just because of the um, – uh, well, I guess the only re- – the relationship with the property was having an agent and, and me – um, and it was just any agent that I could essentially find. So, um, <laughs> uh, and that was, uh, in actual fact, it wasn't even me who found it, it was my father after I moved, um, moved over to Indonesia. And obviously when you have a, a, a property, um, there are some things that just need instant and, and quick resolution, things like, yep. uh, um, you know, the dishwasher needs to be replaced or, um, yeah, the door handle breaks and, and then having to have that authorized. So, it was really um, back then. Um, I guess property investing um, really required you to be um, very near to um, to the property itself, even mm. if someone else was, was running it. So That's quite really interesting. Yeah. So because of that, essentially, I was just constantly chasing my tail and having to send money from Indonesia and so on. Um, yeah, I just said, look, it's just going to be easy. So it to wasn't. Property. So it wasn't. So it wasn't able to self-support. So a couple of things on that. So firstly, it wasn't. Sounds like it wasn't able to self-support its own costs and expenses, and you were paying stuff to, to maintain yeah. the property. It was yes and no. So I mean, it made a, a, a marginal profit, um, just, but not a, just not enough that if anything broke, it would cover. That's it. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, makes the, sense. The, the one thousand dollar expenses required me to. Um, uh, the, the sort of things you get in pretty much every property. Every once in a while, you've got to fork out five hundred to a thousand bucks, and um, there wasn't the kitty sitting sitting there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a really interesting insight that you just uh, that you just put in there as well. That like not that long ago, 
It was yeah. actually really hard to be a borderless uh, yeah. remote uh, investor. And thanks to technology, it's now actually yeah. way, 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 way easier. Like everyone's so yeah. much more connected. You know, interestingly, I hadn't even really thought about that. I hadn't even thought about like how much mm. harder it would have been, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago to be a, yeah. to be a borderless investor. That's, and that's yeah. a massive advantage that people have got today. Okay, cool. Yeah. So got it. So you got rid of that. You moved to Indonesia. After 18 months, you got rid of the apartment. And you've come back. What did you have you did you have any other investments or like what kept the fire burning? Because that's a big there's a pretty big gap between that apartment and now. <laughs> um I guess the fire mean the desire to yeah. get into I mean it's just always been there because well first it's it's a form of necessity. Um especially um yeah, you got a family and while you can have um your residential property, um you're still yeah, you what is it standing still is going backwards, yeah. I guess in a sense. So yeah, I guess the easiest way, the more stable way for a lot of Australians um, to improve their wealth is, is through property. I also find it exciting. I mean, um, I have actually an interest in um, architecture and property and, and history and so on. And so I, I, I drive past houses and I say to myself, geez, I really wish I'd, I'd owned something like that. Or, you know, gee, look at that Edwardian um, style or, you know, mm. look at that old colonial sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think... Um, I don't know whether it's uh, a sense of possession or control or greed or whatever, but I see things and I love it. And I want to own it, maybe to protect it. But uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, so coming back to Australia, and, and I'm still renting, believe it or not, I'm still rent a, a renter. That's um, good. That's good. Which is, which is part of this dash dot story, to believe it or not. But uh, I guess I guess we'll get there eventually. But um, the um, yeah, I, I guess it's it's really just wanting to get out of that um, and investing in property, um, owning property, and all that sort of stuff. It's just always there. And even in Indonesia, we, uh, we actually dabbled in property investing. Um, so obviously, a completely different market with different uh, rules and regulations and so on. And but outcomes. Yeah, <laughs> outcomes exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, we had um, yeah that fire was still burning uh, when I got back here because we still dabbled in it when we were in Indonesia. Awesome. So tell me then, you touched on something interesting there. The fact that you are renting right now, so you're rent vesting, right? Yep. You, you said that was part of the dash dot story. What do you mean by that? Do you want to go there? <laughs> well, I want to own a property. I want something to, um, yeah, I, I want to um, own my residential property, something I can invest in, blood, sweat and tear type thing, something I can call my own and shape the way I like. Um, now, you know, Pretty much everything I've mentioned up until now is all part of the dash dot story and my dash dot story, um, and, and the influences behind that. So yeah, living in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, um, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, or actually now anywhere in Melbourne, it's just yeah, on on someone with an entry level wage, you come back from living overseas, and um, I work in superannuation, I'm, I'm working on the phones and that sort of stuff about what I do, but obviously. Um, my income potential is, is limited, yeah. um, and therefore my borrowing capacity is, is is limited. On top of that, I mean, you know, when you uh, living in Mount Waverley, and then you look in places like Clayton and uh, Springvale and Oakley, which are our neighbouring um, suburbs, mm. and we're all and we're considered a, a quite affordable. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at seven hundred to a million dollars for a standard suburban home, and on someone who's earning, um, you know, essentially. I don't know, 65,000 a year, a combined income of about 120. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's only, 
there's only so many options you have. And then, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and this is like, we moved back in 2015. And I'm saying to myself, oh, look, you know, there's a property bubble. It's going to, it's going to burst soon. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to time it. I'm going to wait. Uh, you know, <laughs> How'd that thinking, work out? Yeah, exactly right. And then that's the thing. What's that saying where, um, uh, what is it? A little bit of knowledge is more dangerous uh, or, or whatever it is. So yeah. um, you, you think, you know, um, and as you know, for uh, from 2013, a uh, couple of years before, once we started to plan to move back to Australia, I'm strategizing, looking at property prices and, what I need, what my budget needs to be and that sort of stuff. And it just, you know, it's like holding onto a piece of rope that's just falling out of your hands. You just can't really control it with property prices. And eventually it got to the point where the profits that we made from the business and the property we had in Indonesia, mm. we had a nice little cash buffer of about 100000 um, I'm thinking that's a, a, a great little deposit to have for a, for a property. All of a sudden there's nothing. Forget about not having uh, much of a deposit, but I mean... Um, the, what's left over and the, the sort of repayments you're going to be on, um, it was just unattainable. And so yeah. essentially uh, seeing the ads from Dashdot um, and sceptical um, at first because right. oh, all, all, these, all these property people, you know, you know, just trying to sell themselves and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, thought, you know, got this call from, well, I, I inquired, said I was interested and, uh, inquired and I sounded, if, if my call was recorded, I'd probably sound like a sceptical uh, person and that sort of stuff. But um, every step of the way, it just started to dawn on me that this, yeah, this is offering a this is offering a, a, a solution, a way that I can achieve my goals. And yeah, I'm dealing with people who know a lot more than me. Um, and I thought I knew a lot. I thought uh, because I'd had these successes. Mm. Um, but clearly... You know, since moving back to Australia, uh, midlife crisis, turning forty, and getting you know struggling in, in regards to career and that sort of stuff, and and then um, yeah, it really beats you down. And I think uh, this dash dot experience and what's been uh, open to me, yeah, has given me a really exciting path, um, and one that I'm halfway through, and I'm, I'm really really enjoying it. Amazing. So, what are your goals? Ah, uh, well. Uh, I guess property-wise, um, life, everything, I, like what, like yeah, yeah. What's what's it all about? It keeps changing. I mean, obviously now, um, interesting in the last twelve months, and essentially since uh, starting on this dash top journey, um, things are my life goals used to be quite materialistic. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, now it's really just focusing on um, enjoying uh, each time, each stage that I'm at. Um, what I've got, appreciate it more, and so on. The uh, um, so look, I'm I'm 46. Uh, I'm renting. Um, I've got two kids in high school. There are elements to that that um, I guess people in the same stage as me of life mm. could relate to and appreciate those moments because you know um, forget about having a, a colonial home right now when that could possibly happen at some stage. Um, but the point is there's still quite a lot of uh, enjoyable things that um, I'm doing in my life or, or that life is giving me through family and, and work and so on. Um, so, yeah, I guess my, my life goals are um, probably not refined, but essentially yep. um, I've, I've narrowed it down to just appreciating uh, um, the stage that I'm at. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, living healthy, um, you know, sort of uh, trying to turn that sort of stuff around. Yeah. Um, and of course, just being financially stable. Um, so I guess 
being rich isn't a priority. It's about being uh, financially stable and just having control um, about about those sort of aspects of my life. Yeah, awesome. So I want to circle back, right? Because you mentioned that you're a skeptic, which I love, right? Because mm. I mean, quite frankly, I can't blame you, right? It's like yeah. <laughs> you know, I know, I know what I know what it's like out there. Um, so you're a skeptic. Then you started for, for whatever. What I'd be interested to know what actually made you decide to at least start walking the path because that's a yeah. could have just been. So I'm interested to know that. And then what you said something that was really interesting in there that as you started to go through the process, that yeah. you started to realize that there was a pathway to achieve your goals, right? Yeah. And so I'm interested to know like what actually made you actually even get past that kind of take the first step, right? And then. Where do you where do you see it going? Like, what do you like? What do you hope to achieve out of it? And yeah, like, how is that? How is that going to shape your thinking? Um, I guess what started me on the path um, was the initial chat. Um, so it, it's essentially intro- the introduction to the business. Um, mm. Now, obviously, I'm the, the thing that popped out at me was on Facebook own your own property with only $50,000 deposit or something similar yeah. to that. I'm like, wow, that really sort of suits my circumstances. So, okay, clickbait, bang. And, um, yeah, and it was looking at, uh, and then it just kind of gave, uh, uh, was it talked a bit about the properties. Mm. Um, register your name, did, got a call back. Um, and then um, it was, this is dashed up and uh, what do you call it? We just want to talk to you about how we invest, why we invest and, and so on. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking the thing that's dominating the news um, and everyone's conversations, who, who, who mm. um, the, the lay person who seems to think they know a lot about property, it's negative gearing. And I just hate the idea. I've, I've, even right from when um, I had my first investment property, I didn't get the sense in negative mm. gearing. Why would you take a loss? Um, just so that you could stick it to the tax man. Um, it's yeah, cutting off your nose to spite your face sort of thing. Yeah. So um, bang, got me in the door. It was like, no, we only look at um, positively geared properties. And then how we use that to then build from. And so, you know, like we're not looking at just this property. This is something that uh, uh, with um, looking at the three key factors of um and the video, obviously the introductory video, which I, I essentially, I was so skeptical. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll look at the video. No worries. Next time we call and that sort of stuff. And eventually got around to watching it. And I'm like, wow, it's every, every skeptical idea that I had about uh, buyers advocates um, and um, I guess property developers. Um, and that was the other thing. You're not property developers, which, no. is, um, which is great. And um, just all these little red flags I created um, just kept being brought down through the video um, because I had a response to all of the concerns that I have about uh, getting involved in and people would do, deal with property and why I could do a better job. And mm. clearly, and I started to realize, shit, I can't, sorry, I, I can't do a better job. Yeah, 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 <laughs> not, yeah. not on my own. So yeah, then after that, the, uh, the life plan, so to speak, yeah. um, uh, where, okay, so if we do create a relationship, this is how we see this playing out. And just the amount of detail um, mm. was quite was quite stunning. Um, it wasn't. It didn't feel like lip service, and I was expecting that. And it was so disarming the fact that it wasn't lip service. Um, and it was like you know I'm ready for a ready for a, a fight to make myself feel feel good and justify my opinions. And yeah, it was just yeah that's it. 
um, I'm, I feel like I'm in the right hands. And uh, awesome. um, yeah, it was an education of myself as well. That was the important thing. That's awesome. It was, it was an education to me that uh, of what my abilities are. Um, and that's not to, um, that's not to sort of um, be um, submissive or anything like that. It's, it's mm. just, there, there is so much information that needs to be taken in. And clearly, I'm just not across all of it. So, yeah. Awesome. So I want to kind of um, touch on the fact, so you mentioned that one of the things that appealed to you was that you could get into property at a relatively low cost point, right? Mm. And so we've helped you so far to buy a, a $275,000 property, which is yeah. a lower price property. A lot of people think that you, yes. know, you can't buy a good <laughs> property, right? which is pretty good, mm. right? Yeah. So how has that changed your, because as you pointed out, you know, you, you're living in the east suburbs of, of mm-hmm. Melbourne and all that. how has that changed your thinking around what's possible in terms of property and, and where do you see your, what do you want to achieve out of your portfolio? Well, the interesting thing is about, I guess, the principles about what's, what's possible hasn't changed. It's, it's, it's they're building blocks, but this is, this is a step that you can, um, genuinely, that was easy to step mm-hmm. up to. What I saw was that first step. What I could see, I was clouded by all of the um, prices in Melbourne and then looking at the Geelong and then looking at the Ballarat. And all of a sudden, it's like this amount that I have, it's not going to buy anything anywhere. Um, but there's clearly uh, properties out there. And so um, this, this entry point and, and, and finding profitable properties Mm. Um, at at a price that I I knew they were out there, but I just thought they had to be like on some bush track in the middle of you know, halfway between Adelaide and Alice Springs or something like that. Yeah. Um, and clearly not. And um, yeah, it just shows that okay, um, the circumstances I'm in, which a lot of people will be in, and the resources that are available to me, make um, getting into this this pathway uh, into on on this path. Um, definitely achievable, attainable. Yeah. Now that property that we bought, it's only only settled about four months ago, right? That's right. Yeah, and so far it has given you a forty seven point eight percent return on investment. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Doesn't this say it all? <laughs> I mean, okay, that's great. The finance. How does how does it make me feel presenting that to my wife, who was skeptical as well? I mean, how many, where do I start? Uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Like, it really is exciting. And I've been saying to, um, like, obviously the people who have helped me um, in Dashdot who help fund the property and so on, you know, we still have our group going uh, because we're talking about um, the property and other things. I, I'm saying I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm literally, every time I make a decision now, I'm like, okay, uh, at what point am I going to be ready to purchase another property? I mean, it just it's almost addictive now. Um, so I just can't wait for being in a position to go again. It's quite it's quite funny, isn't it? Right? Because I could actually I can relate to it because right? I'm, an, I'm mm. also been on a, on the same journey buying properties and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And what's interesting is like like yeah, the, the money side of it is cool. Like I oh, have yeah, made X amount of money. But what's really interesting, I like I like to think about the returns because like hang on a second, yeah. it's done what, and that changes yeah. your thinking, right? Yeah. And it's the actual shifting in the thinking that yeah. ch- that changes all of the rest of it, right? Yeah. Because the money fine, but when you're like, wait a second, I can win. Right. Yeah. I can win. Mm. If I just do this, I can win. And yeah. then that 
changes your worldview and then you're like, oh my God, yeah. right? And, 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 it, and it, it becomes genuinely exciting, you know, yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than being some big onerous, yeah. like, oh, I've got all these properties. It's, it's just like, wait, hang on a second, how many of these can I do? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. exactly. Exactly right. Exactly those thoughts. I'm, I'm not just paying lip service to what you're saying. Mm. Exactly the same things have gone through my mind. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I, it's just like, wow, like, how, yeah. How many of these can I can I get? Like, come on, there's got to be a limit to this sort of stuff. And um, you know, you just start again. You start having these uh, thoughts come into your mind that try to um, um, be a negative Nelly and so on. But no, it's um, and you're constantly seeing the reports, you're seeing the success stories, and you know that it's still out there. So yeah, it's great. Awesome, awesome. So um, if you could go back ten years, or in fact. We'll go back a little bit further than that. If you go back and speak to your earlier self, what kind of advice would you give them to set them up for success today? <laughs> uh, well, um, I think I'm still working on, so it's advice that I give myself, but mm. actually I'm still working on it today. So I think um, like every second spent um, comparing myself to others um, mm. is a second wasted uh, on myself. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a victim of always trying to seek validation. Um, mm. And, yeah, you're just never going to get it. Or even if you do get the validation, it's not going to, uh, I guess it's like a drug. It's not going to give you the, the hit you want. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. Like it is, mm. it is like so... You know, suffering is suffering is a choice that happens between action and response, right? But yeah. you know, comparison is often the is often the source of the most suffering. It's like, mm-hmm. why aren't I uh, richer? Why aren't I better looking? Why aren't yeah. I, you know, why aren't I happier? Why aren't I less stressed? Why aren't yeah. I, you know, more productive? Why aren't I taking more time off? And it's yeah. and it's all of it, all every single one of those thoughts can only exist when it is in comparison, right? It, they, they, yeah. none, none of those thoughts can exist um, in isolation because they just wouldn't exist because you wouldn't be saying because those. So yeah, comparison can be the, the, the death knell of a lot of, uh, a lot of happiness mm. and joy, I think. So that's, that's a really, it's a really good one. I reflect on it all the time because everyone's guilty yeah. on it, right? Everyone's guilty. Yeah. On it. You know, yeah. I'm consistently, everyone, everyone wants to, be a better version of themselves, right? Yeah, so, yeah some way, exactly. but it's um, it's you got to make sure that you're doing it in a productive way. So, and the other thing is, if you're trying to better yourself and you're using someone else as the yardstick, I mean, how they are makes them happy, mm. and you know, I guess just really trying to work out why you want to better better yourself, um, what's your motive, and just focus on that. Yeah, you've also so. got to, you've also can, got to consider because often, like I don't know, let's just say. You see someone who's wealthier than you. You're like, oh my god, yeah. wow, wow, they've got, yeah. they're like way wealthier than I am. And it's like, yeah, but you don't yeah. know what's, you don't know what the rest of their life is like. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't know what they had to give up to get yeah. that. And if you knew what they had to give up to get that, would you choose that? That's like, yeah. so you just don't know. Everyone looks, everyone looks at everyone else and picks out the best bits. And, yep. sa- and then says this whole collection of other best bits. Why aren't yep. I like the why? Why don't I embody the best bits of everybody else? <laughs> yep. right? It's just yep. like it's crazy, right? It's yeah. totally crazy. But I do it too. Everyone does it. So no, that's that's all good. Um, uh, fast forward, fast forward, uh, ten or twenty years. What does your life look like? What do you want to? What do you want to achieve? Yeah, I think. Look, I, I I guess I've set 
I set some uh, goals. Um, yeah. So obviously financial goals in 10 years definitely want to be in my, um, my own property. Obviously, yeah. I'm thinking right now market to be in Melbourne, but in 10 years' time, things can change. Um, yeah, exactly right. So ensuring my kids um, know what they want or at least um, – I guess, yeah, focusing on my kids' happiness and mm. um, mental well-being and um, I guess uh, any sort of concerns that they have um, uh, and so on. Uh, and that's really about it. I mm. mean, um, honestly, I, I think it's just narrowed. In the last 12 months or so, I think everything is just filtered out to there's a problem my, my only concern is just um, yeah, I, I don't really care now about um, career progression um, in the sense like I don't have the motivation to to, to, to sort of go as far as I can career-wise because I think um, while I thought that would bring me happiness um, and I've been there, it, it didn't. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm focused now on, on what truly does bring me happiness. So, yeah, mm. it's, it's a cliche, but it's essentially just family. Yeah. Um, Gratitude by the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, enjoying each moment. So I can, uh, it was funny. Um, have you ever had this um, situation where you look at a photo of yourself um, 10 years ago and you're like, oh God, gee, I uh, wish I looked like that uh, this day or, or something like that. And then thinking, hang on, when that photo was taken, I was thinking to myself, I saw a photo 10 years before that and gee, I wish I could, uh, you know, be back then or whatever. It's, it, I think that's really why I just want to try and appreciate every moment I have. Um, yeah. So you spend, you, you look back at a decade of what you wish you were back to, but you've spent a decade not enjoying that decade. So yeah. essentially, you know, two decades wasted, so to speak, yeah, or not, yeah, fu- yeah. not fully lived. So, yeah. It's mm. interesting. I heard a quote the other day. It was something along the lines of like, uh, when you, when you're 20, you can't wait until you grow grow older and yeah. you become and you become a mil- and you become a millionaire, right? But yep. then but yep. then every millionaire says they 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 wish they could go back to when they were 20, right? And it's really yeah. interesting because you know, mm-hmm. like in that kind of mental kind of construct, when you're 20, you probably haven't got marked yeah. so much, but you're living life in the now and in the moment. And then you can you can go on and create and do and all achieve all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. But what you would what would you give away to be able to get those years mm-hmm. back and to be able to go back? So. In ten years' time, you're right. You're going to be looking back, going, "Why didn't I make the most of today? And why did not I have more gratitude <laughs> yeah. and live in the moment right here, right now?" And yeah, and that's yeah. absolutely so true. I mean, I, I do me personally because I had a pretty wild, pretty I had a pretty wild few years back there. I look back at some of those and I'm like, pretty glad that bit's over. But uh, <laughs> but, but, but generally, I, I I agree with you. Awesome. So, mate, I want to ask you now. We're going to move on to uh, we're going to move on to our final um, question. That's right with you. Yeah. So I would love to ask you because this is this is awesome. You've had a really interesting uh, life. I got to say, you've had a really interesting mm-hmm. life. You've done a lot. You've moved around. You've seen a lot. Um, I really love the fact that you've you've got a great mindset around where you're at now and and where you're going mm-hmm. and why. I, th- I think it's really I think it's really powerful and there's a lot of lessons to be learned uh, in that. So you should be you sh- you should you should be really proud of that. I think it's awesome. Thank you. But I'd be interested to know if uh, you know if. Imagine it's your last day on earth, right? And everything that you've ever had, achieved, experienced, created, everything that you've ever done is going to be wiped from the face of the earth. There's going to be no record that you've ever that you've ever existed. But you get to leave behind three simple truths or lessons that you can mm-hmm. leave behind that are going to live on in perpetuity forever after you're gone. What mm-hmm. what would you leave behind? 
Uh, it'd probably be what I said earlier, um, the first one, which mm. is essentially just um, focus on yourself and your own happiness and, and not compare yourself to others. Yeah. Something which I've, I, I think has been a guiding principle for me um, uh, since my early 20s, um, the old uh, Gandhi quote, uh, be the change you want to see. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, if, if, if there are things that um, uh, you wish could be different, um, yeah, live them, act them, uh, walk the talk, so to speak. And I think um, I have no good way of explaining it other than just, um, yeah, leave more to the world than you take with them or take from it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really big on, on just making sure that while I know that I'm going to have an impact, um, uh, negative or positive and so on, um, just make sure that, um, yeah, you do, you, you do more for the world than what you take from it. So, yeah, every go on. Yeah, we just live. We're, we're very lucky in our circumstances. I've lived in countries, obviously, where people have a lot less, um, and and have to try harder for, for certain things. So all of the first world problems that I have pale into comparison. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, anything I can give back that would have some sort of flow and effect to anywhere, anyone, anywhere else um, mm. is important. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because everyone has an impact, right? Some mm. people don't, you're not thinking about it, but everyone has an impact mm. and you get to choose whether you want that to be net positive or net negative, right? Yeah. That's, that's a choice yeah. that everyone gets to make. So that's awesome. Mm. Is there anything mm. that I didn't ask you that you, that you wish I did ask you or anything else you want to share with, with everyone before we leave? No, mate, um, just, <laughs> just to avoid sounding like a fanboy, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just really, really happy that I've, I've come on this journey. I, I, the funny thing is, as I talk about this, I think about what would my impression be if um, this is my introduction to Dashdot? Was someone just talking um, amazing things about, uh, about Dashdot? Gee, what a setup or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just really, I'm just really so glad because all of the issues that I thought I had um, just seemed to, well, Dashdot has been an important part of, of resolving a lot of those. Um, and yeah, I, the other day, my uh, mum said to me, said, you look a lot more relaxed these days. Things just, you know, <laughs> the frown lines have, have disappeared. Um, yeah. The, um, so I don't know. I'm just really happy being, uh, being a part of this journey and I just can't wait to, uh, um, yeah, keep building on, on what we've already got. So thank you. Well, thank you too. It's, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to go on the journey with you. And I, I got to say as well, it is, isn't it funny how much your life and your physical self changes when you know that you're making, yeah. prog when you're making progress mm -hmm. in the right direction? Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. you're like, you know what? Everything's okay. I'm moving. I'm yeah. doing, everything's good. Mm. You know, it yeah. changes your whole worldview, changes your health and how you show up. And yeah, I'm, I'm so delighted to hear that, that that's the case yeah. for you too. So thank you. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Ian, it's been great to spend some time with you. So thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, can't wait to hear about your future successes. Until next time. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. Bye.